0: If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Look with me at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. If you're using a pew Bible, uh, you can find that on page 949. Page 949. I'll begin reading in Romans 15 and verse 14 as we discuss a great mission today. A great mission. Romans chapter 15 beginning in verse 14. In Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that for Jerusalem and all the way around. To I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now from coming to you, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia, I have pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were well pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to him, for if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what have been collected, I will leave by Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to be on behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Praise God for his word. Please be seated. So in just the words that you see that the Apostle Paul is writing in Romans chapter 15, one thing is unmistakable. You see Paul is closing down his letter. You see him explaining why he has been doing what he has been doing. You see him discussing and talking about this truth that I have been hindered in coming to you. I want to be with you. This is my hope Please be praying for me, but I long to see you. I want to be refreshed by you in fellowship with you. But one thing has been certain that Paul spent eleven chapters focused on how the Lord's church is to be governed according to God's word alone. This is called sola scriptura, scripture alone. How the Bible alone is our highest authority. Please listen. The church is not the highest authority. The Pope is not the highest authority. A pastor is not the highest authority. It's not tradition. It is the Word of God. Justin Holcomb explains, The Scriptures are our ultimate and trustworthy authority for faith and practice. Now, this doesn't mean that the Bible is the only place where truth is found, but it does mean that everything else we learn about God, everything we learn from God's world and all other authorities, they should be interpreted in light of Scripture. The Bible gives us everything we need for our theology. Every word of the 66 books of the Bible is inspired by God's Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit also helps us to understand and obey Scripture. This is what is meant by "sola scriptura." These one, these words were once used along with four old, four other solas as individuals and masses broke away from pragmatism or the false poison that penetrated the land in the name of God, and they got back to the Gospel of God. We are here today. This church is here today. Not because we have done something special, but because of what Christ has accomplished and Christ has preserved His people throughout history. The poison was a teaching of the doctrine of salvation or the doctrine of soteriology, that salvation was by the works of men and not by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Today, this unbiblical doctrine this unbiblical teaching floods many churches and therefore it floods many hearts in Tarrant County. If you are saved this morning, it is not because of any work of your own, but by God's grace and the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, he spent 11 chapters on sound doctrine because if those in the church in Rome were to strengthen one another spiritually from what he's been talking about, if they were to encourage one another, build one another up, right doctrine was required. The same is true in this church and every church. Sound doctrine is needed. If God's people are to be strengthened for righteous living... Biblical doctrine is a must. God's truth, it is a must in our lives. If every child of God is responsible for the upbuilding of one another in the church, by the way, that is true. If you've been saved by God's grace, you're responsible in helping other people grow spiritually. And that's for the good of others and for the glory of God ultimately. That every child of God is required to be a student of God. If you don't want to be a student of God, please question your salvation this morning. If you're saying, I don't want to spend time knowing who God is. I don't want to spend time knowing what God has commanded me to do. If I don't want to spend time living for the Lord, question it. If you're a child of God, you are a student of God. If our food is to do God's will, as was our Savior's food, we, like Christ, we must know the Lord through His Word. We must come to Him and be taught. We need to be rebuked by Him. We need correction in our lives. It is His training that we need. We need to be competent and equipped for every good work. If you are saved... You have this in your life. It's called the Bible. What I just explained was 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is God and profitable for teaching rebuking and correcting and training and righteous that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. God's word is needed if God's children are to grow up and not be blown around by the false teachings that poison this world. As I speak about the great work As Paul speaks about the great work, the great mission this morning, I want you to put this sticky note on your brain. God's work requires us knowing His Word. God's work requires us knowing His Word. Don't jump out of the boat and say, I'm going to live for the Lord, not knowing what He has taught you and not knowing how you are to live. Listen to the Lord first as Jesus did, and make it a priority. Make prayer a priority. Jesus would get alone and pray. Jesus would say, not my will, but your will. He would listen to the words of his Father and did exactly as his Father told him. Look at Romans 15, beginning in verse 14. And have that sticky note, God's work requires us knowing his word. sanctified by the Holy Spirit, in Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. So the apostle, he was convinced that those in Rome, that they were full of goodness, knowledge, and they were able to instruct one another. What a statement. I mean, for the apostle, he has never been there, but he, he's, he's preached so boldly to them in his writing. He says, I know that you're full of goodness, knowledge, and you're able to instruct one another. He was certain of their maturity, but like all who are spiritually strong, they are also weak in areas and they need constant reminders. Knowing that you are weak, that is wisdom. And Paul instructed them with boldness concerning the gospel of God. He started them with boldness concerning the promises of God about Jews and Gentiles, the unfailing word of God, the implications of the gospel, including to those who are strong and weak in the faith. But reminders are needed. We have digital calendars, yearly wall calendars, notepads, sticky notes, We have note apps. We have phone reminders. We have alerts. We have notifications. All because we need reminders. The spiritually strong as well as the spiritually weak need reminders of God's grace and the gospel. In addressing the church, Paul used the words, able to instruct or to admonish one another teaching of the word of God will not happen without reminders. We need our mind transformed. The words the apostle used in Romans 12 have still not escaped him. He said, because of the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. As Brian said, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. We are to have holy and acceptable lives to the Lord. That is our spiritual worship. How does this happen? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Our minds need to be reminded of the things of God. Trials are every day. They're not one day a week. They're every day. Testing is every day. And if we are to know the will of God in every circumstance, we need the Word of God, which is the ultimate reminder. Paul was certain that they could admonish one another, but reminders were needed if they were going to obey and remain faithful. God gives wisdom, but we need to be pushed. We need reminders in order to continue in passing on the truth to one another. Look at verse 16. He says, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So the apostle Paul was a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. This was his called position as an untimely born apostle. Now in the priestly service of God, Paul was God's chosen instrument to reach the Gentiles. The words concerning the Apostle Paul we find in Acts chapter 9. He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Paul was chosen by God as an instrument for God to minister to the Gentiles. Daniel Dornay instructs us and why Paul used the words priestly service of the gospel of God. He says Hebrews 4 and 5 reminds us that priests, number one, they sympathize with people in their weaknesses. Number two, they represent men and women in spiritual matters and other sacrifices. Number three, Paul connects his priestly service to the gospel in Romans 15 verse 16 and the gospel does align beautifully with priestly work as Hebrews describes it. Paul's ministry was the preaching of the Word of God. Paul's ministry is the ministry of every pastor. The pastor's job is to stand up and preach the Word, 2 Timothy 4.2. you to preach the word of God to the people of God to, for the glory of God. I don't preach so man can say amen. I don't preach so that, that I can feel like or Blake can feel like all these people agree. We preach for the purpose of glorifying God and because God has called us to this and I have something to preach that's his word. The pastor's job is to preach the word of God to the people of God for the glory of God. And in reaching the Gentiles, Paul also reached the Jews. And he instructed them in all the scriptures concerning God's plan of salvation for the Jews and the Gentiles from the Old Testament. As Hebrews instructs us, Paul sympathized with the weakness of others. He was given authority by God in teaching spiritual matters. And he offered himself as a living sacrifice to God. And he taught others how to follow the Lord. The Apostle Paul followed in the footsteps of his Savior. That Christ died for weak, ungodly sinners. That Christ offered himself. In our place, he hung on the cross, paying for his children. Romans 5, 6-9. Paul was on the road to Damascus, not because he was going there to see Jesus. He was going there to destroy Christians. And the Lord Jesus showed up and set him apart to suffer in carrying the name of Christ to the Gentiles. God called Paul and used him as an apostle to bring Gentiles into the kingdom. Gentiles who were acceptable and sanctified by the Spirit of God. Look at verse 17. In Christ Jesus' sin, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Paul is not boasting here about himself. Don't miss this. Paul's not saying, look at what I did. I have so many reasons to be proud. He's saying, no, this whole letter has been about Christ. The whole letter has been about his kingdom and what he has been doing. The whole letter has been about talking about you're not justified unless you have faith in Christ. And guess what? His kingdom is for Jews and Gentiles. Paul is not boasting here of himself. He is boasting of the Lord. He is not opposing what he has already written in 1 Corinthians 131, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. He is boasting of God's work. He was proud of God's work in and through him. You should be proud of God's work in and through you. He was set apart for reaching the Gentiles. If you're saved, you've been set apart for God in making disciples of the nations. This involves biblical doctrine as well as righteous living. You know, whatever we do in this life that glorifies God, let us be proud of God and not of ourselves because he accomplished it in and through us. Like earlier this week, I was privileged to share the gospel with three people. I praised God for what God did because it wasn't me. I should be proud of the work of God in and through what the Lord is doing. Because when God uses you for His glory, stand in awe and rejoice like the Apostle Paul. Go back to the day and remember, this is who I once was. This is who I am. Christ has done it all. Verse 18. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Lichrim I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel in Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I should build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. There would be such a massive opportunity right here for Paul to be full of himself. To look and say, look at what I've done. What in the world have y'all been doing? To look at everything he had done, all that he experienced, all of his travels, his thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. His first missionary journey, his second missionary journey. To talk about what he had done or who he was even before salvation and who he is now. And he doesn't do that. He gives all praise and all glory to God alone. He says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished, even with the power of signs and wonders. We see so much of this today. Not only do many people seek signs and wonders, but so many people too, when they do what is called in their eyes and their mind, a sign and wonder, they want praise for themselves. What Christ has accomplished and is accomplishing is worth speaking about. Paul was proud of the work that God was doing in and through him, and he talked about it. He said, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. So the words of Paul, to God be the glory. The works of Paul, to God be the glory. What about us? Our words that edify give God the glory. Our works that edify, encourage, and spur on give God the glory. When the power of God is at work, when we are being used by God, we all need to remain humble children praising him for his work. He said, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Let us not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. The words of R.C. Sproul, the only thing that Paul had to talk about is what Christ has done. Paul is not just being humble here. Paul is being truthful. Paul is being accurate. Paul is being theologically sound. The Holy Spirit who attends the preaching of the Word of God is the only one who moves people to change lives and growth. The Word is where the power is. So, for example, this morning, if God does something in you through the preached Word of God, don't look and thank any pastor. Praise God that he used a fool like me. When you're sharing the gospel with someone and somebody repents and believes in Christ for salvation, don't you dare boast in yourself. Praise God that he used you and allowed you to see the transformation that he did. When God works in in and through you for a child to be saved, one of your own children, praise the Lord And when another child is not saved, you keep praying for that child because it's not like you did something right with the first one and wrong with the second. Praise God for what he's done. Let's not presume to speak of anything. R.C. continued. He said, It is not in the programs or human skills we can preach this word till we are blue in the face, but if the Holy Spirit does not work through the word preached, nothing happens. This is true not just in the church. This is true in every single setting. Our living room. The Sunday school classroom. The hallways. The street corners. The pulpit every single gospel conversation, the Spirit of God saves through the proclamation of the Word of God, but the Spirit must do it. It was interesting. Martin Luther, he said the exact same words. He said, I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's Word. Otherwise, I did nothing. Believe me, Martin Luther had problems just like you and me. He had many problems just like you and I, but when it came down to the work of God, the power of God, we need to all listen to what Martin Luther said. We don't take pride for what has happened, we say, I did nothing except write, preach, and teach the Word of God. This is a great venture. To speak of what Christ has accomplished. Anything that is done of eternal value, it is not accomplished by you or me. Anything that is done of eternal value is accomplished by Christ. That's why when Paul wrote to 1 Corinthians in the church in Corinth, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord, brother and sister. What we do in our own strength does not last. What God accomplishes, that will last. What God accomplishes, that will last. There are many in this room who are older and wiser than many of us. Those individuals, they can turn back and they can look at their lives and they can see how not only they wasted their lives, but how they also see, I tried to do this in my own strength and it did not work. It didn't work. Verse 19, it blows my mind. Verse 19, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Lycorum, I fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. For the Apostle Paul, even to say that, even through all that, I give God the glory. That the Lord authenticated his ministry at that time with signs and wonders as he took the gospel to the Gentiles. This was a fulfillment of Isaiah 52, verse 15. Now I want to begin in Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And then on down in Isaiah 52, 15. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. So many individuals and in churches today have gotten lost in signs and wonders. Please do not let that be you. Christ has been raised from the dead. The Apostle Paul was the last capital A apostle, there is no other apostles. When you read scriptures, God used the Apostle Paul in establishing the local churches with a plurality of pastors and deacons. You even see near the end of Paul's ministry, and you can read it, that God used Paul in establishing them, and even with signs and wonders were going away, he told another brother in Christ, drink a little wine for your sickness, 1 Timothy 5, 23. Why did he do that? Because he knew what the Lord was doing. Hebrews 1 also instructs us, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by who? His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. The Son is done speaking. We have His words. They are in the Holy Book. Miracles occur today by God's hand. Absolutely. But individuals are not gifted with signs and wonders as they once were. We have the Gospel of God. And the Gospel is to be proclaimed to all. God's Gospel is the good news that saves sinners. If you want signs and wonders, speak of Jesus. The greatest sign and wonder that you can see today is the fact that God saves sinners. And through saving sinners, it's through the proclamation of the good news of Christ. The very news that we're supposed to be cherishing and holding dear in our hearts and minds. The humble coming of Christ, the virgin birth of Christ, his sinless life, his teachings, his crucifixion, and the drinking of God's Wrath, his atoning death and his burial, his glorious resurrection on the third day, his commission of his children, his ascension into heaven, his intercession and his return to judge the world. Speak of this. For the ministry of Paul from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elikram, this is no small journey. It's 2,000 miles by foot. Paul did not abandon his ministry. He fulfilled his ministry and he was proud to the Lord for it. How about you? It's not fair that we just look at what the apostle did. We must look at what we are doing. Are you walking in obedience to the Lord? Is your mind and your life filled with the ministry that God has assigned to you, well, I don't know what the Lord has assigned to you. If you have a home, start there. If you have souls in your care in which God has given to you because they're not your children, they're His. Preach the Word. Walk in obedience by serving the Lord. From your home, move outward. You have neighbors. You have co-workers You have individuals in the the city in which you live. You have friends and family members. Paul was called to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. Every Christian is called to carry the gospel to those that they know. His ambition or aspiration was to make Christ known where he had not been already named. Look at verse 20. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But it is written, those who have never been told of him, they will see. And those who have never heard, they will understand. Now, I don't, I'm not going to spend much time on this because I'm going back to this next week. But Paul was called to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. And in this calling, his ambition, his aspiration was to make Christ known where he had not been made known before. Now preaching to someone who has never heard the gospel has its advantages when compared to someone who has heard a false gospel. Major advantages. The Dallas-Fort Worth is a prime example of this. But please, please, please do not make the mistake of saying everybody in Dallas Fort Worth has heard the gospel. No, they haven't. You want something that hits home? About three months ago, we had a woman come in, first time in this church. She sat on the back row over here, and then she was invited by a church family to go and fellowship with them at their household. It, it's a beautiful picture. And as they were invited over to spend time with them, they asked her the question, what's your salvation story? Which, by the way, is a great question to ask when people you meet. They asked, what's your story? Out of her mouth. The first time I really heard the gospel was Sunday morning at the worship service, and that's when the Lord saved me. There are people all around us who think they're saved and they're not. And there's people all around us who have never heard the one true living God and the full gospel of Christ. The Apostle Paul, he did not abandon his ministry. Don't look at the Apostle and say he is high and lifted up. The same spirit that, Im- that dwelt Paul indwells you. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead indwells you. In many ways, we are surrounded by souls who believe themselves to be saved, but they're standing on a false gospel, attending church weekly, and they need to wake up at the hearing of God's gospel, not man's. Now, many times in the preaching of God's word, we are building on someone else's foundation. And at many times, what this means is we must do some deconstruction. When the Word of God is preached, it rebukes, it corrects, it trains, it equips. Look at verse 22. I love what Paul says. He doesn't say, I long to be with you, I, I long to impart wisdom to you, I long to be encouraged by you. That's the reason why I haven't made it to you yet is because I cannot escape that I want the gospel preached where it has not been named. He says, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped On my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, indeed they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessings. We are also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. He's, He's coming to a close and he's talking about the ministry of saints all around the world and what they're doing. He explains his ministry, his work, his desire to come to them in the near future. As long as Paul was living, his life He was striving to live for the glory of God in all things. He saw his life as fruitful labor lived to the Lord. Church family, this is the only correct implication from the gospel. This is correct. If we see, I have been saved by God's grace, and therefore I can do whatever I want, you're wrong. It's if I have been saved by God's grace, the only response to them is to live fully unto the Lord. He said to the church in Philippi, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For I to live in the flesh. That means fruitful labor for me. I love this. Since the salvation of the Apostle Paul, what he had in view was he was marching home and he knew what home meant. Before he got there, he would be judged. He would stand before the Lord. And he would give an account of his life. That's why he says, it's my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but he would live for Christ. Vern Pothres, professor at Westminster, he said, the Christian disciple is never off duty. He is a disciple in all circumstances because Christ is his master in all circumstances. I've been thinking more about this. It's like, if Christ never stops being my master over anything, he better be my master that I'm serving in all things. That our life here, right now, later today, if if we have tomorrow, if Christ has justified us, we are to live a fruitful labor of the life to him. Paul arrived in Rome. Now, Paul did not arrive as he wanted to arrive. He arrived in chains and would later die. But he arrived in Rome and he served the Lord. Whatever the Lord has for us next, we are to do the same. We are to have such a high view of God that what the Lord does in and through us, we give him the praise. But also, whether we live or whether we die, we serve the Lord. If you look at Romans 15, verse 30, Paul uses a word that he only used one other time in Romans appeal. He said, I appeal to you, brothers. I appeal to you. The other time was Romans 12. So I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. That is your spiritual worship. So he's talking about having a transformed mind. Now he's saying in verse 30, I appeal to you brothers by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed by your company. May the God of peace be with you all. This is Paul's second appeal. And he urges them and exhorts them to strive with him in prayer. I'm going to say something. I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm saying it to be edifying. If you and I are not striving in prayer together, we're not mature. If you don't have a multitude of things that you are praying about, then you need to start having a multiple, things, multiple things that you're praying about. Paul's first appeal in Romans immediately followed the laying of biblical doctrine. And it was a plea for them to offer their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This appeal was to join him in prayer, and it was for three things. Number one, pray for deliverance from unbelievers. Number two, prayer for acceptable service. And number three, in prayer, that he would come to them. He wanted to be with them. I said this last week, but Christ left the crowds to pray. The Apostle Paul was God's chosen instrument, yet he asked for prayer. The disciples asked Jesus how to pray. Jesus commanded us to pray without ceasing. The early church devoted themselves to prayer and the word of God. The early church also appointed deacons so that pastors could preach and be men of prayer. We need to heed these words today. We need to be men and women of prayer. And then verse 33, may the God of peace be with you all. Christ has done it all. From beginning to end, the Apostle Paul has not left the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. He's going back and back and back to Christ in everything. Christ has provided his children with peace. So we need to praise God for what he has done in our life. Amen? Maybe that would be good for us to think about what Christ has done. I mean, we ponder and think about lots of things. We need to think about what Christ has done and move forward to what Christ will do. That Christ will return, that Christ will come back. We also need to praise Him by fulfilling our mission and living for Him. Paul encountered lots of struggles, lots of adversity. He He encountered lots of people outside the church and inside the church who didn't like what he was doing, yet he didn't stop. If we're honest, we have things that have stopped us. We have things in which we have allowed, whether it's outside of us or sin that we are cherishing inside of us, we have things in which we have stopped praising the Lord for it. We are never off duty as God's children. The God who said pray without ceasing is a God who says I'm always here and I'm always listening, I'm always seeing. We are to strive to glorify God and like Paul, if we have anything to boast about, we, the only thing that we have to boast about is what Christ has accomplished. Father, I thank you for your holy word. Father, it is true, your word is alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces. It divides. It strengthens. It rebukes. It encourages. It builds up. It edifies, Lord. And the things that are accomplished are not because man spoke it. The things that are accomplished is because God, the power of the Holy Spirit has done it. Father, when it's convenient, when it's not convenient, we are to glorify you in all things. We never clock out being your slave. You never clock out being our (coughs) God. You do not grow tired and weary. We grow tired and weary so we need to be reminded. We need to be encouraged. We need to be strengthened and you have given us a family of God to walk with. You have given us the word of God to, to live on and to to breathe out and to speak Father you have given us so much <clears throat> Father I pray that we would love you in return by keeping your commands by walking according to your word Father, by realizing the things that you do, not just in our life, but also through us, and the lives of others, your church, what you are building, those things last. Help us to remember that. Help us to keep our eyes on you and focus upon you. And we are marching forward and marching home, but we are also marching towards judgment in which we will stand before you and we will give an account help us to work out our salvation, Lord, with fear and trembling, to be in awe of you, to realize it's not just about us, Father, it's always been all about you, and there are brothers and sisters who need encouragement, there are people who think they're saved and they are lost, and there are lost people surrounding us each and every day. Give us the boldness to be your slave. When we are weak, help us to be reminded, Lord, that it's not just theology, it's righteous living. Father, we give you all the praise, glory for what you have done here this morning. If anything, you have done. It's because of you. But well, may we as your people rightly worship you, draw the lost to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.